Welcome to Sin City with Nick Menezes and Dane McLean. Live chat about everything cinema, from new releases, iconic films, and plenty more for you movie lovers. Live for CMRU.ca. And now, to the men behind the mic. everybody you're back with sin city i am one of your hosts nick and say hello to our returning guest on his fourth appearance today jc jonas williams or jc jedi cool name by the way great to be back so so today is a very very special episode because we will be chatting about one of our favorite filmmakers of all time. He is a gem in the film industry. He revolutionized and revived spaghetti westerns, samurai, made violence a beautiful thing and has a good thing for close-ups of other people's feet. You know the man, Quentin Tarantino. I'd like to get started on the latest film we've all seen and which I've rewatched last night, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. What are your thoughts on it, JC? I thought it was honestly one of my favorites in my opinion. Just like the whole uh, time period of it and everything that goes down in it, especially the ending. And it's a lot different than his other ones because there's not a lot of uh, violence up until like the last mm-hmm. moment and then it just builds up to it in a really great way that's right yeah um hello john i see you've joined us today hey everybody how's it going good very good hello jonas how are you doing happy new year everybody i thank you happy oh, new year thank to you, you. Doesn't really feel like a new year, but... So, you came in just in time, Jonas. I mean, John, we just started, and we were just talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Honestly, yeah, it was a really good uh, Tarantino movie, which is crazy that it came out two years ago. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't really feel like it, which is crazy. Exactly, yeah. 2020 didn't feel like a year, (laughs) I guess it's just how it is. That's right, yeah. Like, I've, in fact, I've rewatched it last night, and I have a much better understanding and appreciation the first time I watched it in theaters. Like, the first time I was like, mm-hmm. um, it's, that's, it's okay. But now, oh my God, that was so mind-blowing. Just, wow, amazing. And back to you, Jonas, you're right. This is really unique from his last movies like doesn't contain all the ultra hyper violence we've come to expect up until the climax as you said yeah i thought it was cool too how uh it's a different setting too from the um the previous two were um like westerns so like this one is like the 60s though and like uh as you're saying it's like pretty cool too how like it wasn't like ultra violent there was like kind of like I don't know how to describe it's almost like um it just showed a lot of like 60s lifestyle so it's kind of like one of those movies where there isn't like really a plot but it kind of shows what they're kind of like doing kind of like dazed and confused almost that's right yeah yeah and the the production design deserves high praise and extra points as well because 
Tarantino really mm. brings you in during that time, during Hollywood, when it was in its last legs, I'd say. Definitely, yes. Hello, Dan. Hey, guys. Sorry about coming in late. No worries, Sorry. man. No worries. I was late, too. Sorry about that. I was just having lunch. <laughs> no worries, guys. No worries at all. You did the intro already? Yes, I'm, and no worries. We just got started talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I was having a big kahuna burger, you know? Oh, <laughs> nice. Oh, no, I wish. No, I just had noodles. They don't have big kahuna burger here. Oh, we wish. We wish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and let's get started with the characters as well, like... I, Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt are amazing actors as per usual, but to me, I think their yep. chemistry was just top-notch here. They really have an amazing dynamic, the two guys, uh, Cliff Booth and Rick Dalton. Yeah, I think, is this their first uh, collaboration together, or have they been in something else before, DiCaprio and uh, Pitt? Hmm. You guys know, or...? I'm guessing this is their first one. Okay, yeah, because I can not really think of anything, which I thought was really cool, though, too, to have, like, those two on screen. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was their first one together. Mm-hmm. Or no, actually, I think... The, uh, Might have to do a Google search. Okay, yeah. But as you're saying, like, uh, like, like, yeah, really good chemistry. Especially like, um, I like I like how they explored like the, the relationship too between like an actor and like a stuntman. They mm-hmm. never really showed that in like movies before, which is really cool. That's right. Yeah, like that's probably one of the best bromances we've ever seen in anything really, and not just film. Because mm-hmm. you know how 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 Rick is basically. Uh, well washed up and is trying to find his place in Hollywood since it's basically now a bygone era and how Cliff is basically you know shunned by the others because they think that he killed his wife intentionally and that the two men they really are there for each other it's a really inspirational bond both of them definitely they're like yeah best friends mm-hmm. right yeah and yes even though this wasn't quite, you know, as action-packed compared to his last films. I I actually appreciate those tiny moments of dialogue. Like there are so many to list here. Like the scene where uh, Rick Dalton is talking to that the, the child actress. That was some great dialogue and very touching moments as well. Yeah, that was some like really good acting too, especially for someone her age. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's like, as you're saying, like the dialogue was like really awesome as well. And yeah, to your point, like they had that was such a great scene too. Like the the little girl with the child actress, she was probably the what made Rick Dalton believe in himself that he still has what it takes to be, you know, Rick fucking Dalton in this in yeah. these changing yeah. times. <laughs> yeah, she was like the one that um. And it gave him like that inspiration, right? To give him, give all, give give all his best for that scene, and he did. He did that. He did. Yes. And what else? Oh, right. And another scene that we gotta talk about, which to me is one of the funniest scenes in the film: Cliff Booth versus Bruce Lee. <laughs> oh 
Oh, yes. Yeah, that was a really, like, cool scene, too. I like how, like, um, Tarantino, like, does that with, like, um, time periods. He gets, like, someone, like, popular from, like, that time, and he explores, like, a fictional, like, relationship with them. And it's kind of it's cool, too, because that's, like, when... Uh, because what year was uh, that? the time period? It was, like, 1969, I think. That's right, yeah. So that was kind of, like, the start of the whole, like, um, the Kung Fu era um, with, like, Bruce Lee and stuff. So it's kind of cool how they, like, explored that and stuff, which is really cool. Yes. I even heard his family, like, Bruce Lee's family didn't like his portrayal in the movie. Yeah, the, da- the daughter didn't appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> I also heard that that's kind of how he was in real life, though. So I don't know who to believe here. Wait, like yeah, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to believe, I guess, if you didn't really see how like it was. I thought it was a good scene, though. I didn't. I didn't really think they were like mocking him or anything, though. I thought it was just like like a really nice like tribute. That's how I see it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that too. Cause yeah, yeah, I heard that Bruce Lee was. Was well, a bit a bit of an you know arrogant kung fu guy, but outside camera he was a really pleasant dude to be around with. God, mm-hmm. may he rest in peace as well. There's a good fight scene to it. I think I saw like a behind the scenes of um, Brad Pitt like training for that. They mm. like choreographed it really well. Oh yeah, it it looked real too, as you could see in that huge mm-hmm. dent in the car. Oh yeah, yeah. I, um, that. Oh, I forgot that actress's name. I think she's an actual stunt person because she was in um, Death Proof. Uh, yeah. Yeah, she was the the girl from Death Proof. So she's an she's an actual stunt person. I think, right? I believe so. Yeah. In real life, so that's kind of cool. How she was like uh, there, like working with the stunt people. That's kind of like a cool like tribute, sort of really like meta thing going on there, which is I thought was cool was yeah what was the line I was like what happened to my car <laughs> Jesus yeah like seriously calm the hell down <laughs> yeah yeah and another oh yes and for another great scene that the entire scene leading up to the ranch that was so oh. tense it felt like something straight out of a horror movie yeah I actually remember um Cause yeah, me and Dan actually we saw that together in uh, theaters. And I remember, um, yeah, I was like the whole like tone of the movie. Like at that point, it just got like really like like creepy, almost like as you're saying, like like, like very suspenseful, like horror movie. Like yeah, and we and we barely, in fact, we don't even see Charles Manson in in that scene. But that doesn't make it yeah. any more better. You can feel his presence in that very scene. Yeah just that pre- yeah that presence too it's kind of crazy too how like the whole movie it is kind of it leads up to like a very like dark topic mm-hmm. but like the first like half of it or like almost i don't want to say like 90 percent, but like most of it really feels like it's not really a dark movie kind of just like more of like a drama like lifestyle sort of movie like dazed and confused kind of that's right yeah Definitely. Like that was that's another thing that I admire about Tarantino. Like he the man knows how to do mood whiplash. Like just when we think the scene is going one way, he absolutely pulls the rug out from under you and shows something unexpected. Definitely, yeah. Like, 
like that's like a good example that comes to my mind is that scene in uh you know in pulp fiction where towards the end where uh jules and vincent are talking at the diner you'd think it's gonna go all peaceful just having dinner and talking and then all of a sudden there's a mexican standoff yeah and then it ties into the beginning that's like that was really cool to see in my first being in pulp fiction how it tied in i was like oh so this is like the beginning of the movie, which is cool. Right, yeah. And yeah, yeah, Tarantino really, he mastered the non-linear narrative to perfection, I'd say. We all say, actually. Yes. And um, back to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I'd like to talk about that scene, the ending. You know, the scene where mm-hmm. Cliff and Rick just absolutely destroy the Manson family. <laughs> oh man, that was a great scene I love that scene yeah. Yeah, like best dog especially ever. the part when she's hitting the guy's head into the I think it's yeah. the fireplace mm-hmm. yeah I was really shook actually how that scene turned out spoiler alert but like yeah we've all seen it but like just how the scene turned out I remember because me and like Dane were there and uh, who else was there uh, Ben Goodman and um I think was it chris campbell was there too dan and uh ben goodman i remember we were all like really shook because we're like oh damn like of course it's a tarantino movie but it's like right this is a tarantino movie so um it's gonna play out like this right yeah oh yeah and i, I remember in our group chat you mentioned you were having a pizza while watching this film we, we were having pizza we uh we snuck we snuck uh, sn- uh, Sophie's pizza in the movie Ooh, theater. <laughs> still gotta try that one. <laughs> but yes, it's a, a really good like scene though. It's um, it's very funny, but, um, dark comedy. Mm-hmm, that's right. Great climax to the film. Oh yeah, and Brandy should win the award for best dog ever because if that is not loyalty, yeah, yeah. I don't know what is. <laughs> Yeah, that is also a perfect example of crossing the line twice. Like a girl getting hit in the face with a can and mauled to a dog, not funny. Getting burned alive while in the pool, now that is funny. <laughs> wow. Goddamn hippies. Exactly, yeah. Just wow. Just amazing. Like that, The start of that ending scene, though, it was like kind of like really suspenseful. Like when they... um. When the cult, like, pulled up to, like, the house, I was like, oh, shit, here we go. That's right. There's, like, really good suspense there, and I love how DiCaprio was just like, hey, get out of my um, neighborhood here, you damn hippies. It was, like, pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah same and thing. when uh, Brad Pitt's character is, like, tripping out when they enter, it doesn't really know what's right. not. what's not. Because right. it was the acid cigarette. Yeah, that's correct. Also, fun fact, I think... Um, was it the uh, the girl from Kill Bill? Like that was the same actress who gave um, who sold uh, Brad Pitt the um, acid cigarette. I think it was like the daughter of uh, the bride. That's like the same actress, I think. Whoa, really? Yeah. Damn, I did. I'm assuming know she's that. also gonna get a role in Kill Bill Three when it's released. It's oh, now. Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, that that'd be epic. Yeah, and. More about uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, to me, I found what really made the film, in my opinion, would be the theme of adapt. I think the main theme of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is adaptability. Like, trying to, trying to, you know, change in 
an ever-changing industry because the days of the westerns at that time were long gone and both rick and cliff were trying to make a big comeback in this new this new change in mood i like how it, it was also showing the rise too of the um the uh, Italian spaghetti westerns because that's mm-hmm. what he ended up doing like um is that the same era right? so it's 1969 so that was kind of like the start of like that whole like era too along with like the kung fu era so it's kind of cool how Tarantino showed like the behind the scenes of like the upcoming genres of those films that would like um take over the 70s which is pretty cool oh yeah that scene was I amazing how, I like how he was like crying about it too like he was like um oh damn I'm gonna be like in Italian films but that's actually like a good thing because be, because they were actually like big successes too exactly yeah yeah and we've talked more about Rick in in here let's talk a bit more about cliff because i think that was probably one of brad pitt's best performances and he definitely earned his oscar last year like this like he is uh what i call like he is such a good friend you can tell that behind all that charisma and good look he's just basically a broken man who wants to redeem himself i'd say mm-hmm. exactly yeah it's it's definitely one of like his like best roles in the past like couple of years too yes great definitely one one last note about the the ending as well i noticed that it basically as we all know how the mansons in real life ended up killing sharon tate i love how they subverted that it's similar to how in inglorious bastards how they basically killed hitler tarantino verse it's like oh damn it's crazy right yeah oh sorry you can go ahead oh um i was gonna say yeah you don't know which way it's going to go when you start the movie because you know it's uh, obviously going to include Manson and Manson family and Sharon Tate and so you yeah. kind of have like a bad feeling about where it's going to go like there's no there's no uh, there's no hint at that in the trailer or mm-hmm. you to watch it so you're really that's that's the thing you know will end the film but you're just really suspenseful yeah, and I had no idea that it would end up going in that direction. So that's why, yeah, like John, you were talking about when we watched in theaters. We were so yeah. shook. We were like, oh my God, right? Yeah, because you... they, they went to the house. I was like, oh, okay, here we go. And then in my mind, I was like, oh, wait a minute. This is a Tarantino movie. So mm-hmm. yeah, I was like, yeah. Yeah, because you have the like, Awesome. All right, here we go. Yeah. And so I, I find that to be like sometimes the funniest thing is when you have a lot of anxiety about something and then. Yeah, I had so much anxiety like during the like the start of that scene. I was like, "Oh shoot, here we go!" Right? It's like, yeah. 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 So I remember just it was just one of those things. You just you react just hysterical laughter, basically. Like <laughs> yeah, I, I remember it was mostly you and me, you and I and Camila that were just like dying laughing, like in tears, and and then I think like Ben and Chris were just shocked. Like it was just interesting. Half the theater was just like. Yeah miracle laughter and the other half was just kind of like horrific just traumatized yeah, everyone was like the theater reacted big i remember they were just like really like um 
surprised, I guess. And it's kind of cool, like, I don't know, I feel like people in theaters don't really, like, react that way anymore. But I feel like when it's, like, a Tarantino movie, too, everyone is, like, surprised. So everyone was, like, moving and gnawing, like, oh, like, everyone was just, like, really into it. It was, like, cool. Yes. Yeah, I think because it's also uh, so cartoony, right? Like, the violence is very over the top. It looks like some sort of slapstick comedy style effects. Where <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's, I don't know, you could take it and be horrified by it, but I think even like someone that's, like for example, I watched it again with my mom like this last year, and she's not, she doesn't like violence in movies at all. Like she's, yeah. she, but she even laughed. Like, I mean, even like your mom would laugh at this movie. That's <laughs> yeah. I also love the, the choice of soundtrack they use for that part, the uh, vanilla, the vanilla fudge song. Mm-hmm, yeah. Really good choice. I was like, damn, this is, sets the tone. It's like, okay, Stuntman versus the Manson cult, so let's go. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That... And, well, oh, sorry, no, sorry. no, you go first. You go first. Yeah, like, and you were saying, I, I just love... Um, like the whole uh, dynamic, right? Like you have, you guys were talking about it's kind of the end of the 60s, the early 70s, so it's just two different cultural forces in like in modern, or in contemporary society at the time in the United States just sort of colliding and how it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of a chaotic time, but it's also, you know, like, yeah. it was random, so many random events, so it kind of shows that in the movie how life was like, was exciting, but it was crazy stuff going on and it was just kind of a mix of everything in the film so I think it was really accurate I remember when the movie ended too I just remember getting a really like surreal feeling after I was like damn that was like an interesting film especially the way that it ended like too like really peacefully it was like an alternate timeline <laughs> where that event actually like worked out the way that it was in the movie, but like not in real life. But it was like a very surreal feeling too. And even like the font they used at the end, how it, it had like the end thing and then had like the credits. I was like, huh. It's like we almost saw like a perfect view of like, or I guess like Tarantino's ideal like view of like the late sixties, I guess, which was really kind of like comforting. Yeah, and I, I kind of see that Tarantino maybe trying to say something like how film can kind of save us from like dark reality right like that was something that mm-hmm. affected people for so so many years definitely because i think that that event uh, caused like um well it, that event caused like safety hazards like it caused more people to be more cautious at nighttime like locking doors and stuff and like um more security for the house and stuff so it's yeah it is kind of cool how you like Diverted like the ending. That's right. Yeah, because the 60s was a more innocent time, but the, the right. end of that decade showed that that's not gonna be the case anymore. Yeah, because with like the, the the culture of the time too, like hippies and stuff, it was a very like uh, like colorful like era, I guess too, like music. And you can tell like the music became like darker after like that too, and like movies and stuff. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. 
And I'd like to take this up a bit of a pause and start go back to the very beginning, to Tarantino's earlier days, back with oh, yes. Pulp Fiction. Like, Amazing. that film was the first Tarantino film I've ever watched, really. And it's a, one of my oh. favorite, my all-time favorite films and an important part of my an important film in my teenage years because that film was what sparked my interest in the film industry even further just wow I think, yeah it was definitely one of the first movies i've seen too with a non-linear narrative so it was kind of confusing at first i was like wait this is the beginning or ending and then like when you see like uh some characters that have been like killed you're like wait so this is like before or he survived so it's it's kind of cool to like see that that non-linear narrative was a good introduction to that Yes, definitely. Yeah, something new, original, I'd say. Yeah, like Pulp Fiction. It's, I, I don't even know where to start with this film. Yeah. This is a masterpiece, a damn masterpiece indeed. Like, yeah. let's start with the characters. Like, Tarantino really knows how to create colorful and interesting characters, I'd say. <laughs> definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it's just so, the dialogue is so... It's, it's almost, it just breaks like every rule basically. Like it's, it, but it's so realistic because it is so unpredictable because people are unpredictable and unique characters in real life. So I think like the more sort of offbeat the character usually sometimes the more realistic in, in, a, in a strange way, but it's like surreal at the same time because yeah. you're not used to it. Yeah. But like... that bonus was so interesting and it could be about any topic in Pulp Fiction, but it's always, you, you listen to every word of the film, you don't know where it's going or what, what relevance it has to the film, it's just interesting to listen to you. Also a really like, cool comeback role for um, John Travolta, mm-hmm. and I think he was, he was struggling with like, film roles um, prior to that, because I think he was like, doing like, um, he's doing like, romantic comedies and stuff, but then after uh, Pulp Fiction, he started doing more action roles like Face Off and stuff, and that kind of like kicked off his whole like 90s career. So it's kind of cool though. Tarantino, like, I feel like Tarantino does that though. He like he like takes like um, older like retro actors, and he's like, all right, I want to like restart their like career and stuff, and like, which is like really cool. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Like. And yeah, like the characters are, and yeah, about the dialogue, by the way, it really feels, it's so, like you mentioned, Dane, very unpredictable, it's well-written, it sounds very natural, more talking about pop culture, like, I managed to make conversations about burgers and food massages, very interesting. I don't know how Tarantino pulled it off, but he did. The metric system, like, mm. Good, good stuff. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I've always crave like cheeseburgers whenever like that that whole scene like same here. Yeah. Like, you gotta have like some sort of like burger while eating that scene. Uh, whenever that films on, I'll watch it basically. Even if it's like halfway through, I've seen this mm-hmm. film like twenty times. It's almost at the end. I'll still watch it again because it just mm-hmm. it just feels so seductive that film just like mm-hmm. the color the cinematography the feeling you're just like yeah i'm just going to i'm just going to watch this because it's just like, yeah don't so really cool, like oh sorry that's um, okay. yeah i just want to say it's a really cool like 
representation too of like the nineties and yeah, like so. Oh, like I, I didn't grow like I, I wasn't born yet at that time, but it, it takes yeah. me back because my dad really liked. Um, he he loved like Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, but I, I didn't see him watching it. But I knew like I heard the name in conversation growing up. I think he was maybe talking to friends or something. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's just that like mythos around the film. Like it's a very like there's yeah. so much there. Like uh, just yeah. It's kind of like a sacred film, almost. Like, it it's is. just so... Yes. Agreed, yeah. Like the holy grail of films, i Holy say. grail, definitely. Yes. I feel yeah. like that's, like, for every, like, um... For every, like, cinema lover, that's, like, Pulp Fiction is, like... That's, like, the one that unites, like, all film lovers. Pulp Fiction. Like, that's right. Because yeah. it's, like, a dark comedy, but there's, like, action in it, too. And the cinematography is, like, really good. Mm-hmm. And like really good actors and stuff. Exactly. And then yeah. also the soundtrack is also amazing too. I love I love the um, I love the soundtrack in Pulp Fiction, the, the, especially the old um, R and B like tracks that. Mm. Yeah. So, like uh, in the inter- with the introduction of um, Bruce Willis's character with Al Green's like song, I was like, oh, oh yeah. that's, that's awesome. And speaking of which, yeah, this was a great comeback too for Bruce Willis, I'd say. Like, yeah. I think this is his best performance yet. Like, and his character, a butch, is really a complex character because in a film that's filled with, you know, like morally ambiguous or shady characters, I think Butch is the closest thing Pulp Fiction has to a hero, a protagonist. Like, you can yeah. tell he wants to, like, write his become a better man, which it shows at the end when he saves Marcellus Wallace from certain death or worse. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that movie. I mean, there's so much disturbing. Like, it's still very disturbing at times. Like, oh yeah, definitely. The Kim uh, scene and everything. That's just like one of the disturbing moments in film history. But. It, at the end of the day, you still look at it like it's funny. The general tone is like upbeat, happy. But I like how it does have these really just dark turns where you're like, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's what Tarantino's like. That's just what you, you know, you've come to expect. Mm-hmm. Lots of like Hollywood as well. But I love that. It's just, it's just. Uh, I don't know. Like I think a lot of people. Yeah, I feel like. Oh, sorry. Oh no. Worries. I was. I think a lot of people probably got kind of uh, like probably creeped out or like walked out of the theater. Maybe. Well, I don't know if anyone did, but like my mom, she can't watch up until that, or she can't watch that part. She just like she doesn't get like, very stunning at the time. I guess mm-hmm. very ahead of ahead of its time. Oh yeah. But it's I was gonna say that like Pulp Fiction and uh, Once Upon kind of have like the um, they kind of have a similar like feeling. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to put in words, but it's kind of like it's almost like kind of like a similar, like because it kind of shows like the lifestyles and stuff, and it kind of has like that feeling. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I definitely agree. Yes, and while the film is at best an abstract 
story, the one thing I feel that connects the entire storyline would have to be the golden suitcase. Like, even though oh, we don't know what's in, that's right, yeah. Like, even though we don't know what's in the suitcase, I've followed this theory that says that it in the suitcase it's actually Marcellus Wallace's soul. Like, when you make a deal with the devil, oh, he takes your soul. I've heard that too. Which explains because the bandaid on his head. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, mm. and what's the combination of the safe six six six, the mark of the beast. I, know, I didn't even know about that. I thought um, I thought the like MacGuffin or whatever was in there. It was like it was up to the viewers, like an interpretation. Like it could be whatever you wanted it to be. But the soul thing really like that really makes a lot of sense too. Now, like yeah. looking back at that, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I oh, find that now. <laughs> I found that to be one of the most like interesting parts. I, I spent a lot of time after that just like thinking about it, watching uh, videos on YouTube, just because it is so mysterious. And I mean, he, like it's I love that element of it because, uh, and I like yeah, like the fact that it is just like a glowing light, but yet it's mm. it, it, it could be anything, and that's just I don't know. I thought it was like gold at first or something. I got I got like reminded of like Austin Powers like gold member for some <laughs> I don't know. So at first viewing though, I just thought it was like money or something, but Yeah. Definitely something like deeper than that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Nice. And of course, another way to know if a film is made by Tarantino, simple. It has Samuel L. Jackson in it. And by God, right. Pulp Fiction, this is yeah. Samuel L. Jackson's... Oh my God, he stole the show in every scene he's yeah. in. And he's only in for just three scenes, three chapters, actually. And just, wow. Very wow. iconic role. Oh, yes, that's right. Uh, I love how his character, too, had like a lot of like knowledge that like Vincent didn't really like care about. Like, uh, like stuff about like the divine intervention and how like he wanted to retire after they were like after they survived that bullet attack, which was like really cool. He had a really cool, um, really cool mindset. Um, Samuel Jackson's character. He did, yeah. He is one bad motherfucker. Very, very Jedi like Mace Windu. <laughs> right. Yeah. Agree. What does Marcellus Wallace look like? Exactly. <laughs> they say speak English and what? Say what? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what? <laughs> I remember when I first saw that scene too. It was like so hilarious. I'm like, oh, this is the, this is yeah. Yes, yes, and of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love how I love how like the two of them. They both resemble sort of like major pop cultural icons. Like I. Th- think uh, well I know that uh, what am I talking about my brain is stopping uh, Vincent Vega yeah Vincent Vega yeah he's he's like Elvis Presley right and uh, mm. mm-hmm. kind of be maybe I guess maybe Jimi Hendrix or uh, yeah yeah it's just really it's, it's great like the character design like it's just yeah I like the afro was kind of like or the uh, yeah, the Afro hairstyle is kind of like um, it was kind of like a tribute, I think, to like the um, oh, I forgot, I forgot what those movies were called, but like um, kind of like Shaft, 
like that genre of movies in the 70s the oh i forgot what the the name of the genre is called but kind of like yeah like um the 70s like style like samuel jackson's like hairstyle yeah it's it's perfect and i mean i love their the matching suits and like it's just stylistically it just looks so good it is yeah very yeah. colorful characters for sure yeah it's and also very doable like i mean like it like you could totally sort of get inspiration for your own films and uh mm-hmm. you know, it's not like over the top but it's very just smart choices but that's right. Yeah, kind of like very simple too. Very simple choices. That's right. Yeah, like that's another thing I love about Tarantino. Like he really knows how to make his characters well colorful, really stand out. Like the matching black suits, uh, the bride's yellow suit, and of mm-hmm. and then Jackie Brown, how she wears that that bright blue suit. Like uh, yes. just wow, the colors awesome, are really awesome nice. Film, by the way. Mm-hmm. Underrated. Mm-hmm. Agreed, yeah. 100%. Un- underrated, I gotta say, underrated um, Tarantino film, Jackie Brown. Love the movie. Yes, definitely. Yeah, and this is. Um, even in, oh, oh, no, you sorry, go first. You, you go first. You go first. You're... I was just gonna say, even even uh, Quentin Tarantino himself doesn't rate Jackie Brown as his highest film. Or, like, mm-hmm. very high. He says, I, I believe he said, like, I wasn't put on the earth to make this movie saying that like oh. it wasn't his best work so it's like 100 percent underrated because i rated it as one of my favorites actually i love how like yeah with jackie brown like after pulp fiction he did because it was after pulp fiction and jackie brown i love how the contrast between the two like it was like definitely it was both are still violent but it was definitely a more tamer story mm-hmm. i feel like jackie brown and once upon a time kind of have this similar level of like Tarantino like violence like not too violent but it's more of like a character like study um drama sort of thing which is very cool it is yeah yeah and also this was a great performance as well from Robert Foster. Uh, may he rest in peace as well. He really had some great chemistry with the, le- the leading lady, Pam Greer. That's Jackie Brown. Mm-hmm. I, I love that scene too where um, that's actually, yeah, I know that I, I'm not sure that's going to be a question for the end, but that's actually one of my favorite like scenes in a Tarantino movie where um, she's um, it shows her on, in the airport and it, has, it plays... Um, that uh, oh, I forgot the name of the song now, but um, oh, across 110th Street. Yeah, yeah. Just that airport scene where it has the credits and it introduces her character with the um, I forgot what are those things called the like the escalator thing in the airport, like the uh, moving. Yeah, yeah. That's probably one of my favorite like Tarantino um moments ever. Oh yeah, it's really well shot as well. Very. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and yeah, like this film. Yeah, you're right. It's probably his most underrated film because Pulp Fiction yeah. it sweeped a lot of Academy Award nominations, and it's a very after you make something that is very untouchable and iconic as Pulp Fiction, it's a very tough act to follow at times. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like it's like that with like many directors, like um like Christopher Nolan for example like a lot of people didn't really like Tenet 
I honestly loved Tenet. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like inter, it was, it wasn't like Inception or Interstellar, but it's kind of like like Jackie Brown. Like Jackie Brown isn't like Pulp Fiction, but I still like love it. That's right. It's like, yeah, it's a different like the director wanted to try something different. Like, can't always make like Pulp Fiction or like Inception every year. That's right. Yeah, like it's always great to experiment. I'd say, nice umbrella yeah. up. And yeah, so I do love Tenet. I do recommend. Yes. You said it, John. Well done. I I actually liked it too. Yes. It yes. It it was. Is it the is it Nolan's best film? No, but it is definitely worth checking out for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's and those are like Jackie Brown. Mm, that's right. And, oh yeah. And yeah. after I first viewed Pulp Fiction, my love for Tarantino's directorial prowess was. Grew stronger with the film you're standing behind, Jonas. Kill Bill. Yes. I love it. I love revenge stories. Oh, I think Kill Bill was probably the first. I think that was my introduction to Tarantino. Wow. That's same for me as well. Nice. Yeah. It's definitely like his like opus, like damn. Like whenever people mention like Tarantino, it's either like Kill Bill or Pulp Fiction. It's like one of the two. It's like yeah. Yeah, like this is like I love these. As I said, I love revenge stories. And before John Wick, I think Kill Bill was the quintessential revenge story. Definitely yes. Like the the bride, she is wow. She kicks a lot of ass. She is probably one of my favorite action heroes. Like yeah. back then, we've had the, most action heroes used to be male, you know, with Arnold Schwarzenegger or John McClane. Yeah. But then we got Sarah Connor, Ellen Ripley, and now yeah. the bride. Like she, wow, yeah. she kicks a lot of ass. Like she's the best. Thurman. Shout out. Yeah, that's right. Also, yeah, nice uh, wallpaper too, Nick. Thurman there. <laughs> that's right. Thank oh. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, and well, first, I think once again, Tarantino again excels at making colorful characters, and Kill Bill is no exception. I love how, with the assassins, uh, the deadly viper assassination squad he gave them each distinct personalities made them stand apart from the other they're really not just the bad guys but they're very intriguing to watch especially over an Ishii yeah like, that scene that where it becomes anime that was so well done mm-hmm. really good I love too how like this movie isn't just like like violent for the sake of like violence it like it goes like with the whole like the way i see it it goes with the whole like revenge theme like revenge is like a very like it's a very like powerful thing so like how tarantino just like he really upped the violence with it but he really like showed it had like good meaning with like the whole like revenge film it did um genre i meant Oh, and he succeeded. Yeah. In fact, I I hear he considers uh, Kill Bill Volumes 1 and 2 to be, you know, just one movie rather than two separate ones. I, I definitely see it like that, too. Like, whenever, 
if I see volume one, I'm like, I gotta see volume two, like, now. It just feels, like, weird watching, like, I'm not sure if, like, in the theaters, was it released, it was released separately, right, I think? That's right, yeah, like, I think so, yeah. Did. Volume one came so out. were people able to, did they have to wait, like, another couple of months before seeing volume two? Another year to, yeah, exactly. Oh, another year, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Damn, yeah, that's like, it's very like, the volume one, volume two, it's very like, um, how do I say it? It's very like, that's almost like TV show-esque. Like yes. Breaking Bad is like, oh damn, I gotta find out what happens next. It's like, But I consider, yeah, definitely volume one and volume two to be like one viewing, even though it's like long, it's like, that's a story, right? So. Yes, yeah. Like, I know a lot of people say that volume one is the more iconic film, but I feel that <laughs> volume two is often, you know, overlooked or unappreciated for its lack yeah, of action. But I feel that's actually a good thing because it doesn't always have to be action, action. People, like, people love action, but what people don't yeah. like is too much action, but no story. I think volume two succeeded in balancing both out. Definitely. Um, I kind of forgot now. Was volume two, was that where they showed her going to Japan in training, or was that volume one? Uh, volume two. That's volume two. Volume two, so it's kind of cool how they like uh, showed her like going back to like Japan and stuff. Yeah. And um, as you're saying, Nick, like not too much of the violence. There's like more like substance with like really good dialogue. Cause um, I think it was like uh, Sunny Chiba. I think who she was that the one who she visited. He's like a veteran like um, mm-hmm. um martial arts like actor. Like, mm, I think so. Yeah, sorry, I, can't, I haven't seen in a while. No worries. Um, no worries. Because she, he's the one that uh, trains, I think. Pine oh. mate. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like I really like how they showed that too, and like of course, like volume two is like really good, like closure too. With uh, the uh, daughter. That's right, and had a bit of a bittersweet feel to it. Like she got her revenge, but at the same time, you you see like how she feels like heartbroken that she had to kill the one that she that actually loved her and appreciated her for who yeah. she was. It's a very unique, um, very unique, yeah, unique feeling. That's right. Yeah, and yeah, and. I want to talk a bit more about the anime scene in Volume One because I f- I love how they went for that from that departure to live action to anime. It really great storytelling. I should tell you a very short story about you know the character of Oren without and there's barely any dialogue, but they succeeded so much. It's beautiful, poetic and tragic all at once. Yeah, it's, it's cool. It's kind of crazy, too, because, like, you feel, like, really sorry for her, like, character, too, because it shows, like, her childhood. But then it's, like, the main character is also, like, the pride. Right, so yeah. So it's kind of, like, yeah, she's actually, like, someone you should be rooting for, but it, like, showed, like, the tragic, like, um childhood with the anime part Dude, which yeah. I thought was a really cool like dynamic it's like it's not really like a black and white story sort of thing like there are like good characters and bad characters but it's kind of like 
who's like really like the evil one here. Exactly. Yeah, and I f- I feel like Oren and the bride are like. dark parallels of each other how they're both young formidable women who are motivated by revenge over the loss of a loved one in Oren's case Mm -hmm. her parents and the bride her daughter Mm -hmm. exactly and and then after Kill Bill it then what came next was Django Unchained like that film wow this really Tarantino really nailed at reviving yeah. the spaghetti western genre. Definitely. I feel like that's um, one of his like main inspirations too. He always talks about the spaghetti westerns, which is really cool. And it's awesome how he finally got to like do one of his own, which is that was awesome. That's right. I like the way you die, boy. Yeah, really <laughs> awesome. Yeah, shout out Jamie Foxx. Like, mm-hmm. Probably one of his like best roles ever. Yes, yeah. And uh, Chris Christoph Waltz, mm-hmm. amazing as as always. Yes, really, really earned his Oscar too. Yeah, and DiCaprio. Oh my God, I've never seen DiCaprio play a villain before, but he terrified the crap out of me with his character, uh, Mister uh, Calvin Candy. Yeah, I really hated Tarantino. Um, not Tarantino, <laughs> DiCaprio. But I really hated uh, DiCaprio in that uh, film. I was like, damn. It's kind of it's kind of cool to show him um, like that, though. Yes, yeah, yeah. In fact, Tarantino, who usually creates very morally shady characters said that out of all the villains that he wrote, he hates Candy the most, which it really shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. God, just he is despicable, really. Just God. Right. And yeah. I, I love how like Django and Glorious Bastards and yeah, Hollywood's. I think those are like the strongest sort of like uh, revisionist correcting mm-hmm. and like like flipping the yeah like the actual history, right? Like you you have the oppressed fighting back and actually winning in the end I think that's like amazing yeah. in those three films and I think Django is probably the one that's like the most emotionally gripping of those three mm-hmm. you can thrill, like your heart's in it the whole way because it's uh, especially with the dynamic with uh, Jamie Foxx's character and his wife like you just you just like have so much invested in this movie the whole way it's very satisfying and it is. <laughs> very satisfying there's also a fun fact about the moment when they're in the dining room and Leonardo DiCaprio's character is shouting when he like slams his hand down and breaks the glass. He like screams in rage and it's worth knowing that that, that was actually a scream in pain because he cut his hands on the glass. He was oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, no, that's crazy. <laughs> I think, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I also love that scene too in uh, uh, Django and Chain when uh, they're having uh, it was uh, jo- the Jonah Hill interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, All right. The whole yeah. of that. Like two smiles. I can't see damn things. Was really, really funny. Uh, I just thought that was a really cool like Jonah Hill cameo. It is. Yeah. Definitely. And, and yeah. Like- Johnson from 1980s Miami Vice. Although. In this one, like, uh, 
DiCaprio, he plays like a villain, so you hate his character as well. Yeah, he is such a versatile actor. Can you be- would you believe that the guy went from playing the, the the charming, handsome, nice guy in Titanic to just a full blown racist guy in Django Unchained? Exactly. Like, wow, <laughs> just wow. I saw like a. Oh, I saw a thing somewhere. Some people actually like wanted like DiCaprio to play like the Joker or something. Ooh, yeah. I'd actually, I'd like to see that. That'd be really. I think he'd play a really Joker. Oh yeah. That'd be a cool. That'd be cool. That'd be really, yeah. He would. Mm, right. I think. Maybe like an older Leonardo, like in like five, ten years. Five, ten years. Mm. That would be interesting, like an older joke. Could face off Robert Pattinson. That'd be really awesome. Oh, yes. Love that. I really yeah, love uh, that. Love Django and Shane. Great. Yes. Oh, yeah. And his next spaghetti western, The Hateful Eight. Mm, yeah. I have some things to say. Like, that is, I think, one of... It is one of my least favorite in of Tarantino's films and it's it's a good film of course not the best but it's just yeah. good just good I'd it's say it's a very like cabin fever mm-hmm. isolating movie very like it's kind of like this I don't want to say like the thing but it's like kind of like the similar setting it's very like a very bleak setting a lot of characters trapped together like oh yeah 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 it kind of had vibes to his first film, uh, Reservoir Dogs, how the characters are all, the whole action takes place in one location. Another awesome, yeah, film, Reservoir mm-hmm. Dogs, shout out. Awesome and performance I really, by uh, Jennifer Jason uh, Way, mm-hmm, amazing actor. Yes. Very versatile too. Oh yeah. Um, you, I would say I really liked Hateful Eight, and I was watching videos about how he wrote the script, and it's interesting that he, he, uh, he didn't like when the part where they poison the coffee. He mm. said when he was writing, even himself, he didn't know at the time who poisoned the coffee, and he just kept writing. Oh. And then later revealed it to himself while he was writing, wow. and that's wow, like an interesting way to write a script. That was wow. a really like suspenseful, like. Yeah seeing too I was like holy crap I remember seeing that in theaters I was like jeez wow I'll keep that in mind using that strategy that's a really that's a, awesome that's a cool yeah yeah it's part that is a cool yeah. wow but as you're saying like uh, yeah Nick that was like I think that's like one of my least favorite like Tarantino movies too I'll probably have to like see it again but yeah he, it was like a really like nice ex- experimental like one that he was doing especially after like uh, Django and Chain and Inglorious uh, Bastards it's kind of like um, there wasn't like too too much action it was like more of like a like character study sort of thing kind of like more about the environment and stuff mm. the people like were trapped in Oh yeah, I think yeah, yeah. And the characters they really live up to the title of the film, The Hateful Eight, because they're morally shady, and it really, I think this film is more of a cautionary tale, basically, on how to what to do when you are faced with other people who you do not know very well, who have some kind of mysterious intent for you. Very untrustworthy. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Like, yeah, I feel like it would make a really good like play, like a uh, monster. Mm-hmm. I could totally imagine Hateful Eight being really well. Um, 
Yeah, it also, it's kind of like, it's almost like a more comedic, almost light household film. <laughs> like, there's some similarities, I guess. Yeah. Like, I forgot, because uh, I, ha- I haven't seen this movie since, like, 20... It's been a while since I've seen it, but that one character, I forgot he was really funny, where he was like, I told you it was him. I forgot who that character was now, but as you're saying, man, like, yeah, it had some really, like, comedic moments in it. And just, like, the ending, too, when they're, like, on the bed and they're just laying there, like, <laughs> accepting, like, the fate. They're just like, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I feel... And that's one where you don't care if both of the... Or all of the main characters die in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just kind of satisfying, too, because all the characters were... Yeah, that was something that yeah. turned off, turned off the experience for me. Like the, the characters were very just unsympathetic. That they beca- I get that the point yeah. is the hateful eight, but sometimes when everyone is unlikable or unsympathetic, you can you don't care what happens to them at the end. So yeah, yeah, but still, it's almost like a yeah, it's almost like a um, like a slasher movie, like. The victims in it, they always just like one-dimensional like characters, like oh, Jason killed them, like hooray for Jason, like right. it's right, like sacrificial lambs is what I call them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and silence of the lambs. Different, right. different, 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 yeah. different, 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 Another film that is in my top tier of his list would be Inglorious Bastards. God, that film is wow. Just wow. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, the one that plays the the soundtrack. It is, yeah. And the the opening scene. Destroy it. (laughs) Yeah. And a really awesome way. Oh yeah. Like oh yeah, definitely. And the even the opening scene it already take hooks you into the film. That opening scene was just so intense. Just, yeah, I think that was my introduction to to um, the legend of Christoph Waltz. I was like, mm-hmm. wow, it's really right. evil character, but like a really awesome performance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really good. Also in Django, I loved him in Django. Yeah. Yeah, he played like two different like yeah. The, his characters were like very different from each other. Mm. Like, one was like super evil and you hated him, and then the other it was like a really like kind person helping out Django. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love how I love how every like I know I know there's like repeat actors or casting in this film, but it's always something new. Like you, you never get the same thing. Or, so that's that's what Tarantino does so well, just writing new characters. He did, yeah, and exactly, yeah. And I love the cast and the bastards. The really, really awesome, uh, really awesome characters in that one. Mm, yeah, it's really a great blend of genres. It's one part war, one part spy, and one part black comedy as well. Just fantastic, great mashup. Yeah. It's a really funny scene at the cinema. Mm, yeah, agreed. Or <laughs> How obvious, yeah. And Han and Christoph Waltz's character, Hans Landa, he's such 
a fascinating villain. Like he's almost like an evil Sherlock Holmes, I'd say. He even has got yeah. the pipe as well. I love the scene too where he like he knows they're faking it and he like does that really fake laugh. And he like goes to the side. That was a good scene. <laughs> when they said they were Italian, oh good scene. Right, yeah. And that <laughs> and similar to that scene too where he's talking to uh, the Jewish girl uh, Shoshana where they're they're at the restaurant and he orders an apple strudel and that scene was just so tense and yet so oddly satisfying as well seeing him eating that apple struggle yeah that 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 scene like i was like damn i really want some like dessert right now (laughs) yeah food porn at its finest exactly it's like damn i think tarantino's like really good with like like food and stuff Mm. it's like big kahuna burger oh yes burger and stuff and then the scene with like red apples, the like the milkshake. That's right, yeah. And seeing at once upon a time in Hollywood where uh, Cliff's cooking some mac and cheese. <laughs> exactly. Wow, yeah. so. And then it shows like the really disgusting dog. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Way to kill it, Tarantino. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and. Yeah, and since we are now at the, uh, the one hour. Oh, wait. Wait, wait, I almost forgot. How silly of me. We haven't even talked about his first film, Reservoir Dogs. That's like the film yeah. that basically started a legend. What are your yeah, guys' thoughts on it? Non-linear, we went right back to the beginning. I don't <laughs> know if that was intentional or... Oh, it was not. I didn't even notice that. Wow. Thanks for putting that out. Tarantino. Awesome, though. Very Tarantino episode right here. Right. Very, like, amazing. Right. <laughs> I know. Once we're done, I can put the beginning, our opening at the end, and the ending part at the beginning. Why not? Yeah. Reservoir Dogs, though. A lot of that is incoming this way. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Reservoir Dogs. That was, that was my introduction to Tarantino, I think. Wow. Oh, awesome. Good timing. My first proper, like, screening, I was, I was like 17 or 18. My dad was like, I think you're ready to watch this movie. That's wow. awesome. It's like a best year Nice. So I was like, okay. And within 10 minutes, I was like, I, 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 that scene where the, um, is it Eli Roth, I think? Um, yeah. The car, that, that scene, or not Eli Roth, like, Tim wrong yeah yeah so bad with names tim roth sorry he's like bleeding in the car that that scene i was almost like i went like white like weak and dizzy because i was just so yeah it's very like good acting yeah i mean watching it again it's kind of like calming but when you see it for the first time that's like traumatizing actually that's like a really it is it is a pretty traumatizing scene too even like this the cop and the um that song i love how like tarantino does that with music. he takes like really like happy music and he mixes it with like dark moments mm-hmm. wow soundtrack dissonance yeah that's right yeah. exactly yeah there's, there's a lot of that in that movie yeah and the connection with the uh oh sorry to cut you off but i was just saying the connection the uh the vega mm-hmm. the uh reservoir dogs and pulp fiction yeah, and agreed. That's right. Yeah, like Tarantino, yeah, his films really are connected to each other, like almost like a shared universe. Tarantino has been creating a shared universe before it was cool, actually. Like we got the, the, the red apple cigarettes, which carries in almost every film. And 
the Vega Brothers too, and the two and. and I think that's the stereo, I think, too, from uh, Pulp Fiction. I forgot that's the same serial, I think I forgot what it's called. Oh right. Oh right. Yeah. Oh really yeah. Name of it. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. And also, um, Christoph Waltz's character in Django Unchained is King Schultz. And the grave that the bride was buried at in Kill Bill Volume 2, Paula Schultz. Like, oh, just wow. And we just, I love the uh, characters' names too, from that to um, Reservoir Dogs, like uh, Mr. Pink. Mm-hmm. I love Steve Buscemi's character in that. Like, my line is just really good. Right, yeah. Really good comedic relief. Oh, and I love how uh, Tarantino himself was like, in that movie, mm-hmm. you know, he was talking right. about Madonna. Yeah. Yeah, he... That was like, I think that was the... Was that the very first... That was the opening, I think, right? That's the very first introduction. It was him yeah. talking about Madonna, yeah. I think. Uh, all right, yeah, that... Yeah, just, oh, sorry. No, 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 you go first, you go first. Oh. I just love how just, he, he's kind of, like, out of place in that scene. Like, he, you know, you know, he's, like, wanting to be on the same level as, like, It's his movie, so why not? But it's just, like, hilarious. It's just, like, his way of, like, inserting himself into this, like, this crew of really, like, amazing... Yeah. <laughs> it's, I love it's, how it's like it's a good introduction too to kind of like his mindset. He's like, okay, it's my first movie, first scene. I'm gonna talk about Madonna. Here we go. Like it's a really, it's a really awesome one. When you look back at it, it's like, wow. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's like one of the like most unbelievable debut films for any director. I know. Crazy. Yeah. He did some uh I'm not sure of their official releases. He did some other ones previous to um previous to uh that one, but I think they're more like student films. I'm not sure if you guys have seen them, but I think you could check them out on YouTube. I think one is black and white. I forgot what it's called now. Oh for sure. Yeah. But it was like right before Reservoir Dog. Ooh, we'll give it a look sometime. Thanks for telling us this, John. I I'll take No worries. Yeah. And yeah, like Reservoir Dogs, like Tarantino talking about Madonna. That is probably the most Tarantino conversation ever, right. given his. Like, I love how he he really knows his stuff when it comes to writing dialogue. Like, it's just basically mundane conversations, but they really, they really immerse you. Exactly, yeah. They really hook you. They really keep you on your toes. Can I think Tarantino, too, he, um, I think he was working at, like, a video store, too, so he, like, mm-hmm. knew a lot of facts and stuff. That's right. And I think that's just why, like, a lot of, like, um, a lot of, like, uh, cinema lovers, mm. cinema heads, they just love Tarantino because they can relate to, like, the guy who just, like, also loves films. He's, like, honestly, like, knows mm. a lot about movies. Exactly, and, like, yeah. Pop culture. Definitely. And he, like, makes his own like world that you can like share with us and like that's right that's yeah nice. exactly and i love how he's just like himself too like he doesn't care he's like yep this is my yeah. world yeah <laughs> definitely like a fan fan first and then like you can tell that he's, he he makes movies for the love of it as well. mm-hmm. exactly for the art he doesn't do it like, that's right yeah that's, that's what also fun fact he directed a couple episodes of uh 
CSI. I'm not sure if you guys have seen those, but oh yeah, I've, I've heard that he directed. Yeah. Wow, it's impressive. Yeah. Really cool fun fact. Oh, wow. I gotta see that. Another fun fact is that Tarantino became a legend in filmmaking himself, and the thing is, he never even went to film school, really. Oh, damn! Just, wow. He often like talks badly about film school, saying that it's like a waste of money, and all you need is like a camera and you just need to watch every movie ever and that was he quotes the working at the video store as his film school with oh. watching all the movies that he did there mm, wow that's really like he is his own person basically i love it yeah yeah that's cool yes. nice i understand why i get what he's saying though too it's like you can pave your own path you just have to be really focused and you just have to put a hundred percent into it no plan b and just go forward mm -hmm. right you are right you are yeah i can't remember the story about how he actually like got the money to make uh reservoir dogs but i think it was pretty i think it was kind of a difficult thing but he ended up uh, I, I, I think I, it was like a, it was a film festival oh, thing yeah i remember i think he, he i remember he wrote uh three scripts i don't remember what the other two were but one of them was reservoir dogs which he said which he wrote to be directed by quentin tarantino and didn't sell it and i believe he got the money to do reservoir dogs by selling his two other scripts and then he put all the money that he got from selling the scripts into reservoir dogs which is like a pretty small budget compared to most films of the time wow. Yeah. yeah, and I think also, if I'm not mistaken, I think maybe like Harvey Keitel, like she kind of reached out to him in some way and kind of got like the uh, co-producer sort of um, just like that to make it legitimate. Like Harvey Keitel was like huge at that time, so I think he liked him. Oh, okay. that's awesome. Yeah, this just proves that yeah, you don't the budget doesn't make the film like Tarantino's films are low budget and yet they still manage to make amazing magic movie magic exactly yes definitely A level B movies A level B movies nice. yeah, yeah I like the sound of that yeah and now that we are way past the hour mark it's time to discuss our favorite scenes from Mr. QT's films starting with you Jonas what's your favorite Tarantino scene for mine I have Kill Bill volume 1 and my favorite scene is of course the one directly behind me mm. the whole scene I just find I don't know sort of like weirdly meditative because of the I don't know what you call the water thing, but it's the clicking water. It shows multiple shots around the garden here, but with the clicking water and the whole scene, I just find very meditative. And I just love the blood on the snow scene. Mm. That was one of my yeah. favorite shots in right. the entire. Oh. Yeah, visual appealing. And the music was fantastic as well during the first oh, react. Like, don't let me be I misunderstood. Believe, yeah, Zen did the whole or Zanfir did the main theme with the, I forget I don't know what you call the instrument I believe it's like the pan flute mm -hmm. and that whole adds to it and I believe RZA actually uh, from Wu-Tang oh. Clan did the soundtrack pick the songs for the movie which is yeah cool. that's right yeah I yeah. forgot about that wow and yeah like that was a really well choreographed action scene too like 
I feel like after, like, Oren Ishii may not be the main villain, not the main target, but I feel Volume 1, it has really been building up to this entire confrontation, and it did not disappoint. It's well done. Good choice, Jones. I also just love this movie for the way he over-exaggerated every character. Mm. And instead of, like, they don't all need, like, they all just have a thing that they do, and then that's their character. Like, the... The one with the mace she swings around. Like, that's just her character. She wears the schoolgirl outfit and mm-hmm. uses the mace to defend uh, Oren. Right. She's also from the uh, a really good movie, which you guys, all you guys should check out, which is called uh, Battle Royale. Oh, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah, thought she looked familiar. Yeah. Nice. She's an amazing actress. She's really good at playing, like, those evil, like, roles. Shout out to her. Definitely. And good choice, Jonas. Really great choice. Now we move on to you, John. All right. So as I was saying earlier, um, it was, yeah, it was hard to kind of like pick a um, favorite scene from Tarantino's movies, but I really like, um, I really love the uh, intro scene from uh, Jackie Brown where he's at, um, coming, where Chozer, um, the introduction of her character at the airport mm-hmm. and uh, with the... Um, the escalator thing and it's showing the credits and stuff i just thought that was a really good uh introduction to the character that's right and i just i really love um i really have a strong love too for the older um r&b soul music so i love how they use them across 110th street um just a really cool uh cinematic moment really iconic too yeah. for uh, pam Greer, but that's probably my top favorite of many uh, Quentin Tarantino movies. Wow, good choice, man. And also coming from what is probably his, his most underrated film as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that, the color was really well done, like blue, really just wow. Yeah. yeah I guess. Really awesome film. Like, it's like, I feel like Jackie Brown, it's like, that's like kind of one of my comfort movies too. Oh. I can just like put it on and like, casually like mute and stuff like nice. it's there isn't like too too much going on in it but it's like something you can just like put on and like watch you want to like relax oh definitely i agree with you again good choices to the two j's <laughs> so on to you big d for me i think i would have to go with there's so many good scenes but probably the uh opening scene of pulp fiction i think mm. Uh, yes. Rob and Amanda Plummer sitting in the restaurant, casually talking about mm, robbing the restaurant and over coffee. It's just, yeah. it's brilliant. And I mean, like, it's just, it's just so good. The right goes from like, oh, honey bunny, to just like psychopath and like. <laughs> wow. Mood really sets the tone. Mm. Mood yeah, whiplash. That's the one, and then like the uh, misery song Missouri comes on at the end with the uh, title sequence I think right after it it's just it's just the, the feeling is there it's just like oh my god this is going to be an experience I will be unlike any other it's going to be unpredictable the whole way through so that's that's like the perfect um, tone setting scene yeah surf rock surf rock yeah. probably from my favorite I would say probably my favorite Tarantino film I think wow I would say so definitely 
good choice dang yeah that and that opening scene really it really set the tone of the film the dark dark comedic tone like how it go and the mood whiplash how it goes from all sweet and innocent to just want to blow the brains out of everyone in that yeah. diner <laughs> Amazing. oh that leaves me well my favorite scene would have to be my favorite film would of course be pulp fiction and favorite scene Ezekiel twenty five seventeen. Oh yeah. Like that monologue. Amazing. So tense, so so much power in this one scene. Not to mention it comes from a quote of the most powerful book in the world. Like it's wonderful. Like I've even memorized that entire monologue after just three scenes. Ezekiel twenty five seventeen. The path of the righteous man is beset on the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Blessed is he who in the name of ch- charity and goodwill shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness, for he is truly his brother's keeper and the finder of lost children. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers and you will know my name is the lord when i lay my vengeance upon thee and scene thank you thank you thank you great scenes everyone oh and that that's all the time we have left for today's show. Thank you so much for coming here, Dane, Jonas, and John. Like, Thank Quentin you, Tarantino uh, is one of, is probably my second favorite director and the one, the one who sparked my interest in the film industry and whose films have defined my whole teenage years. And I think I can say the same for all you three as well, for everyone in here. I think, yeah, he definitely opened my eyes to to uh, uh, all the other like cinema that I didn't know about. Like he was the uh, really good like eye opener for like cinema. Like after like Pulp Fiction, it was like, there's some other great movies you gotta see now. Oh yes. Like Jam. Yeah, and with, and with just, he has just one more film left on his belt and I'm sure he uh, can right. kick this out on a high note. Definitely. I believe he's also doing a comic book called Django and Zaro. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That'll be awesome to see. And if, and it's rumored as well that he is going to produce the TV show, uh, what's it called again? Um, Bounty Law. Bounty Law, yeah, that's right, yes. There's also uh, the, uh, the Star Trek movie he was supposed to awesome actor produce. That'd be awesome to see. Oh, yeah. So much. Tarantino is... We'll see what happens in the future, but I would love to see a Tarantino Star Trek. That would be... Oh, yes. Same here. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Tarantino is just getting started. Yes. And that's all the time we have left for today's show, which, by the way, is brought to you by Red Apple Cigarettes. <laughs> so thank you all of you this has been sin city i am your host or should i say one of your hosts nick and i am the co-host dean mcclay thank you guys for coming yes. i appreciate the uh, amazing episode that we had 
we'll see you guys next week yes next right, week next oh, week thank you next week john we will be talking about he, he has many names he is vengeance he is the knight and he is the batman with emmanuel akinola all right nice. until then see, see you next week same time as always here on sin city live for cmru.ca bye oh, wow.